is the number one community in the world that you can't get back once it's gone. Time. So I will keep this brief. I'm Muthita Banu, a time efficiency expert and a business operation strategist, who's as known as the Time Queen. Welcome to my Get Unstuck Radio. Running a business can be very overwhelming at times, especially in the first few years when you are required to wear hats and do other things. You started your company because you had a vision that almost every business owner has when they begin. You wanted freedom, true freedom. So you are in the right place to help you build and grow your business that support your lifestyle, not the other way around. Without further ado, let's get unstuck. Hi, Get Unstuck Nation. Today, we will make some twists with Twist. Thank you for joining Get Unstuck Radio today, Twist. Oh, friend, I am super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So, before I get to before we get to know more about Twist, let me introduce Twist to you guys. So, Twist is a keynote speaker who teaches people how to cultivate the connections and build the relationship that moves the business. Remember this. Make a relationship that moves the business. So this is going to be something we're going to focus today. Um, since the very first time I get to speak with Twist, I mean, I feel connected and it's very easy every time we speak. And I so adore with that. Like, I'm very surprised, to be honest. So yeah, I'm excited to have a conversation with you today. Well, let me tell you, friend, it's your, first of all, you're a very easy person to talk to. So don't even, you know, get all stressed out about all the little things that we can uh, have go wrong in a conversation because the first time that we chatted, it went really well. And let's just keep that up. Yeah. Thank you so much. Before we get into your business side though, but I would like to know your journey a little bit, how you become an entrepreneur. Uh, well, um, one of my earliest ventures was when I was 11 and I was in fifth grade and I glued fur to rocks and I made $200 and thought I was a millionaire. And wow. so, mm, yep. And so from there, um, I learned, I went to summer camp and learned how to make, um, little beaded necklaces uh-huh, uh-huh. and absolutely fell in love with that. Found a bead store in my local town and spent hordes of lunch hours instead of going to back to class I would sit in the bead <laughs> store and make jewelry and so then I started making jewelry and I was doing you know about five thousand dollars a year as a high school student mostly at Christmas doing that and then when I was 17 I won a government award to start a business uh, jewelry making and then I went to school for goldsmithing and I had my work shown in 12 galleries across the country and also had um, had the privilege of making a particular piece of jewelry for a very famous Canadian band. So that's a little bit about my story. Wow. I mean, I'm a girl and I love jewelry, of course. Like I'm wearing diamonds over here. Like it's my mm-hmm. job. So, mm-hmm. but how you turned into online worlds? 
Oh my gosh. So I found out that I have an eye condition. And so I had to stop making jewelry. I basically had to choose between my eyesight and um, jewelry. Mm -hmm. And so um, I wanted to pursue some other things anyway, Motita, because sitting behind a jewelry bench, I mean, you're like, you're dirty all the time. You know, you make this beautiful thing. You know, when I made this ring, if I can get it off there, you know, I make this beautiful, really cool, interesting ring. Oh, and, uh, and yet I'm covered and it's like you blow your nose, even if you wear a mask, you know, we wore double barrel canister masks um, and still like you'd blow out red and black and brown from all our polishing compounds. Um, and it's frankly a bit of a lonely existence, especially when you're doing it all. And so at the time I knew I was really good with people because I could sell like nobody's business. And actually there's a great story there that I'll tell you in just a second. Um, so I knew I could sell and I knew my customers really loved working with me and purchasing from me, but I couldn't keep up with make it all, you know, get it all ready for like package it all, get to the show, set up, be at the show for days on end, you know, tear it all down, come home and re repeat. It was really challenging. And um, anyway, it, it's, it's just, um, I think one of the things that we need to recognize in business is what we're really good at. And so when I was in school, um, we used to do this. You'll love this story, friend. We used to do um, a jewelry show twice a year and we would sell it at, at the college I went to. So Christmas and Valentine's Day were our two shows. Christmas was our bigger of the two. And I can't remember exact numbers at the time, but I'll give you the approximates that I remember. Um, so we had about 30 people across all three years of the program. It was a very, or excuse me, 50 people across all three years of the program. Um, and usually about 30 people participated. People would put a few things in, but I had already been selling jewelry for years at that point. And so I said, can I help organize the show? And they said, oh, no, no, that's what the third year students do. That's that's the senior job. And I went, OK. And so I put my jewelry in. And I think if I remember correctly, typically they made about a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars, something like that collectively between all these people that would put their jewelry in. And um, that show, we brought in three thousand dollars and I made a third of it. And then they turned around and said, how do you do that? Can you teach us? And so then I um, put together a little booklet over the next couple of years on how to run a show. Um, I would print up little, they weren't even flyers. They were quite literally like I would print out a few sentences on a page and I would cut them up and I would go and deliver them to all of the um, different departments across campus to make sure that everybody knew we were having a sale. And, um, the following sh following, I don't know if it was the following show or the following year. Um, but we made about 10 grand and again, I made a third of it. Um, and they had like never seen this before. So it was great fun to be able to teach other people and make great money at the same time. Yeah. Couldn't deny that. Couldn't deny that. It's a mm -hmm. great feeling, right? Um, mm -hmm. so, but how you start the online one, you haven't gone through that yet. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, okay. Thank you. No, no, no worries. <laughs> um, so I, I had a little bit of an online business before COVID, um, mm. but not a whole lot. So mostly I did in-person speaking gigs. And then when COVID hit, <clears throat> pardon me, friend, when COVID hit, it basically ate my business for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because I was an in-person speaker. 
And so all the speaking gigs I had booked out all, but a couple got canceled overnight, like Mm -hmm. just overnight. I had no business. And in the speaking world, it's very much this um, place to get to when you're a full-time speaker. You know, you've left everything else behind and now you're an online speaker, or, um, a full-time speaker. And I couldn't go directly online to virtual because my speaking gigs were in Canada and a lot of the uh, events in Canada just got canceled the first year of COVID. Whereas in the States, a lot of them went online or went hybrid. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see that start to happen for a long time here. And so as I started to do more online gigs, that was great, but I had to pay the bills. And so instead of running some of the sessions that I would run, so you do a keynote and then often do a breakout or a workshop. And so then I just took those topics and created online workshops. And so that's what I have done transitioning into COVID. Um, as we transitioned into COVID. And then the other thing is some of the marketing that I did before and some of the content creation for other people, those were some things that I did that I had non-disclosures with clients. Um, uh, that, that work had non-disclosures. So I couldn't talk a lot about it, but people knew me. And so word got out and we started building, um, uh, entire courses for people. So it wasn't just, Hey, will you develop the content or Hey, can you um, write these scripts or Hey, can you do some design work? Cause I'd done all of that before it was, Hey, let's put all these things together. And so we built out um, several online courses for some pretty big names. I can't mention them again because of our NDAs. Um, but that was another aspect of what I was offering. So do you think how building relationship and storytelling have connection in between them. Yeah, here's the thing. So I want you to picture an upside down triangle. Marketing is about great storytelling and storytelling creates belonging. So marketing is really just about belonging. And here's what I mean by that. When we tell stories that people can find themselves in and see themselves in, not just what they aspire to do, but when people get that we get them, we've created belonging in our marketing. Absolutely. Storytelling is a huge part of developing relationships. Mm. And how, I mean, I believe that everyone has a story, right? But then why telling a story from one person to another person are different, even though they have a similar background? Mm-hmm. So I think you're, the answer isn't black and white. So there's the delivery of a story that can impact how somebody receives the information. So that's a huge part of it. Understanding who you're speaking to so that you can deliver the story in a way that they understand. There's understanding when to deliver that story. So if I were to start talking to you about um, how my mother will not put up curtains at the cabin in a certain room because the towels block the light better. Like it just doesn't apply to this conversation, right? It doesn't apply to this conversation. And so understanding when to tell a story about what is what will make a difference when we are sharing. So how you tell it, when you tell it and to whom you tell it are very important. And Since you are, um, you have been doing public speaking a lot of it, um, Mm -hmm. how it's different between doing a speaking publicly versus doing a workshop? Oh, very different. Okay. So first of all, 
I want you to picture two triangles, one that's pointing down and one that's pointing up. Okay. One of them is how much you get paid. The other one is how much time you spend. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to talk, uh, I'm going to give you a, a broad spectrum of information here, Motita. So the more you get paid, typically the less time you speak, the less you get paid, the more time you speak. Mm. Now, also on that continuum is how we deliver information. So if we add a third triangle to that and we call it say storytelling or information, the top of that is in a really good keynote, you're about 70% content and 30% entertainment. Okay. And by entertainment, I don't mean big and flashy magic tricks. I mean, engaging the audience. I mean, having them feel something. That's what I'm referring to. Okay. Sorry. I thought I was going to sneeze. No <laughs> uh, and so that's what we're talking about up there. Whereas down here, and, and there's very little audience interaction, typically none when you're in a keynote. However, when we move down the line and we're in a workshop or a breakout session, which are two different things. Okay. So, and I'll tell you about that in a sec. The, that's the most time you spend with people and it's different. It's often more of a coaching conversation or relationship. So when we look at keynote, that is where you're sharing an idea. You're setting the stage or closing a conference. There's also closing keynotes. So you're responsible for setting the stage for the whole entire event. Then we have what we call a breakout session, which is not a workshop. So a breakout session is taking the idea or an idea that you presented in your keynote and giving more information to the audience about it. So it's what to do, how to do it. And then workshop is let's do it together. Mm. And so there are oftentimes workshops that people sign up for online, but there's no interaction. It's just delivery. And sometimes if you have a co-host, there might be some conversation in the teaching or some banter back and forth. And that's one style, my style of workshop for the most part. Okay. There are a couple of exceptions, but for about 80% of the workshops I run or 90% of the workshops that I run, it's basically live coaching. I've taken it from, so when we did um, get booked on podcasts a year ago, I delivered it almost like a keynote. Okay. Now I'm revamping that because people love the advanced style of workshop that I'm giving where they show up. There are very few or no slides and we have a really interesting dialogue about the topic and they walk away with something finished. So it's not just, oh, you know, Twist, I'd really like to uh, learn a bit about storytelling. They actually construct stories and practice delivering them. That's the difference. Does that help answer your question? Yeah. What about okay. breakout rooms? Say again? Breakout rooms. Breaking rules? Breakout rooms. You mentioned that there will be a difference between workshop and breakout rooms. Oh, breakout rooms. Okay, so uh, breakout rooms are like um, uh, sessions that are after mm. the workshop. So again, if we look at that sort of um, structure, it's like you have the idea. So it's here's the idea. Here's what you can do with the idea. And in a breakout session, there are there is conversation with the host, but there often isn't coaching the host or the speaker. Um, whereas in the workshop, there generally is a lot of that. So in this case, um, I can see that there are interaction, but how the relationship could be built during these sessions. 
So when we're thinking about what information we're going to deliver, we need to remember that as professional speakers or as any speaker, if you are not a professional speaker, but you are speaking online, delivering content, friend, you are the least important person in the room with the most amount of responsibility. The least important person in the room, the most amount of responsibility. That's who we are as speakers because we're not there to have a cathartic experience on stage or look like a superhero or be seen and heard or be really loud. That's not what it's about. Although there can be, you know, some fire and passion when we present, it's really important to know if our audience is getting what we're saying, because if they're not, then we have not done right by them. We have not done right by our event planner or whomever had us in. And I don't care if you're in a Facebook group or in front of a thousand people, this is true. Our job is to make sure that the audience gets what we're saying. And we do that by doing our research in advance. And that's what's really, really important in developing relationships. Because when I get on stage and I put up a presentation that has a core message of, Marketing is about belonging, the unsexy truth that'll grow your business. If I'm speaking, I'll give you a prime example here, friend. I just, I was the opening keynote speaker for the green industries show in Canada. If I had got up and all my stories, examples, and photographs had been all about the quilting industry, the fabric industry, that would not have related to that audience. So what I did was I made sure that all the colors all of the photos and all of the examples in that presentation, the message is the same, but all the photos, examples, and colors related to the landscaping industry. That's one really simple and profound way that people get that I get them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's like how you respect your audience and the event planner. Yeah, I can see that that's very important. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking along with you. That's why I shake my head, <laughs> like consuming mm-hmm. details. Um, so another point that I really like when you mentioned, um, creating marketing and messaging on the spot for mm-hmm. people who you have never met, never met. Yeah. So I don't know how you did that and how you do that. You're still doing it. I mean, is there any secret that you can share us? No, there's no secret. Um, I'm literally, I'm thinking about this wonderful story of a gentleman. His name was John, um, John McLaughlin, and he lives in Eastern Canada. And John sat at the back of the room at one of my presentations. So this was not a keynote, but I did it almost keynote style. And I say almost because I had people come up to the front of the room who wanted to, to get live coaching with me on the spot. Okay. And we don't do that during a keynote, generally speaking. So this was um, a session and uh, John sat in the back and Mutita, he didn't speak to me the whole day. Never met this man. Okay. Okay. And um, about nine or 10 months later, he uh, was the person who picked me up from an airport and he helped me get booked at another event. But I didn't know that until he picked me up because often what happens is as when you're at an event, there are people from other associations in the room who are looking for speakers because event planners are all friends. 
And so, you know, they'll go to each other's events, scoping out the next speaker. So you don't know who they are in the room. Their name tag just has their name on it. Mm. And it doesn't say looking for new speakers, <laughs> right? It doesn't, they're not wearing a, a shirt or a sandwich board that says that. And so when John picked him up, he's like, Twist, I am so glad you're here. I have to tell you that your presentation was the best I have ever seen. And I looked at him and I said, I am so sorry. Did I meet you? Now, friend, I, I'm really good with names and faces. And so to not remember somebody was terribly embarrassing for me. And he said, oh, no, no, I never introduced myself. The lineup was so long to come and see you after. I didn't wait. However, I'm on the committee that chose you to come and speak at this event. And I was like, oh, thank goodness, because I thought that I didn't remember who he was. And he said, I have to tell you that my, um, first of all, we're getting in my truck. It's my work truck. It's really dirty. I told my wife, you wouldn't care because you used to be a tradesperson. And I said, you're right. Tell your wife not to worry about it for a minute. It was so sweet. And then he said, I have to tell you, I took your ideas from the coaching that you gave other people at the front of the room. Okay. So between the message you gave and the coaching you gave at the front of the room, I came up with an idea. Now, this is the power of building relationships. Like I had never spoken to this man in my life. And yet he felt this deep connection with me because of how I treated other people and how I delivered information to an audience that often isn't well-respected. So when we think about landscapers, we often think, oh, overpriced lawnmowers. That's what we think. But that's not who they are. And they offer so much more that's really important to the world. And so John starts telling me the story. We're driving along to the event, okay? You know, and 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 we're in a work truck. I mean, it's rickety. Uh, I shouldn't say rickety. It's um, bumpy, excuse me. I've used the wrong word. So it's bumpy and there's like, leaves everywhere and bits of dried grass. And I mean, it's just one of those. Okay. And, and I don't care at all. I love being there with him. He's telling me this story as he drives along. He's so excited. And he says, you'll never believe what I came up with. And I said, what? And he said, I was thinking about how you talk about marketing is about belonging and how you talked about using gifting in your marketing. So not gifts to um, people after they become a client, but how could I how could I create something that people want to be part of? And he said, I went to a local apiary, which is where beehives are kept and a collection of beehives is called an apiary. And he said, there's one on top of a local hotel and it has five hives. Well, I started giving a pint of honey to everyone who became a client. But what we did beforehand was we let people try it. And so we told them the story and that was the gift is that they got to try the honey beforehand. And he said, we just booked out our business like 18 months in advance because people wanted to be part of the story of saving the honeybees and -hmm. doing business with us at the same time. And by the end of that season, Motita, they had 25 hives in that apiary. They started with five. So you know, thinking about coming up with marketing on the spot, it, it often isn't anything fancy. Here's an example, a very specific example I did for uh, an accountant. Okay. I said, so this, his target market were small corporations that did not have in-house accounting. Okay. I said, send them a dictionary that says, do you feel like you need this to understand your accountant? If so, call bang. He 
he hit almost a million dollars in his first five years as a single account. Okay. <laughs> Another, yeah, totally. Another one that I did was two snow globes or empty snow globes. And we filled one with mud and one with water. And I sent them to an organization that wanted me to fill out a whole bunch of paperwork to apply to speak for them after they had asked me to speak. Mm. So I sent them, I sent them this inside a treasure chest, a little, little sort of chest about that big wooden one. And I put a note in the top that said, do you want your advisors? They were in the uh, financial services community and they refer to their, their folks as advisors. Do you want your new advisors to be clear or clear as mud? with your potential clients. Woo. So those are the kind of things I come up with and, and on and on and on and on. I think it needs to have a clarity as well. Like what do you going to offer and mm -hmm. who they really are like crystal clear. If not, you couldn't think outside the box that way. Like, yeah, that's amazing. And in, in my case as well, though, I find that language could be somehow a barrier, like the sense of language. That could be another issue that like international, I mean, not transnational, but international company. Like mm -hmm. I, I do work with like English speaking people. So it's not only in North America, but also other countries who speak English, right? So um, this could be something that I need to tweak or twist a lot in order to get them. Yeah, that's 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 a very cool idea. Yeah. See, I'm learning so you. Hang on, hang on. Let's do this right now. So tell me who you're targeting. Okay. So basically anyone, I mean, not anyone, um, business owner who already have a team, but have issue um, with the back end and, to, and train that team members. So building a back end operating system. Yeah. So Okay, great. So here's online, what you're going to yeah. do. It's okay. I got you already. You can just stop talking. I got you. So here's what I would do. <laughs> now with this one, you, there, you have to be really careful when you send fresh food. Okay. But here's the concept that I want to offer you. All right. You want to get apples or oranges or some familiar fruit. Okay. And send a few of them and say, if one of these goes bad, they all go bad faster. Don't let this happen to your team. Pick the right ones and train them properly from the beginning. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like keep okay. apples and banana together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now the risk with sending the risk with sending uh, food is, is that if it ends up on their desk and they don't open it right away, then it could go bad. And that would be a really bad thing to send people moldy food. Um, you know, but they're, you know, playing on that. What else could you send that expires? Mm. Right. Um, so you're able to, to play with that in some way. Yeah. See, I think because you are very creative, like from your background of like designers, mm -hmm. jewelry designer, and then you get to gather and, and telling the story from like your at the very beginning. And yeah, it's cultivated like for real, like your experience into right now that, I mean, anyone who's still listening to this, I, I bet you get some new ideas already. I already have. I don't know about you guys. So um, twist. In case anyone want to follow your work or want to work with you even, where can they find you? Where can they follow you? And where can they reach out to you then? So friends, my social media handles will be in the show notes or the description below. Uh, you can put yourself on our email list. I say our because I love my team. And you can do that at withatwist.com 
today with a twist dot today, or we have some workshops as well. So we've got get booked on podcasts and you can go to get booked with a twist dot today. Yeah. I mean, anyone who wants to twist your story and get it better, have a real connection and building relationship that make business forwards. Don't forget to check, um, with the twist dot today and everything will be linked in the description and the show notes as well. So thank you twist so much for joining Get Unstuck Radio today. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Mutita. Thank you. Take care. I hope this episode inspires you to get unstuck wherever you are in your journey so that you can have your business that support your lifestyle. Get a show note at helpyougetunstuck.com today. Start implementing what you have learned. The results of your consistent effort and improvement are worth it because you deserve the freedom to enjoy your life. Speak to you next time and don't forget to get unstuck.